listening to Metal Matters, the official weekly Gimme Metal podcast. Well, first of all, John, thanks for uh, doing this. I've been uh, a huge fan of Evoking, and uh, us talking actually fits in really nicely with the last couple episodes that Randy and I have been doing, and uh, the the uh, set of episodes I did with the uh, guys from Godden, and I'm um, you know kind of segueing into this whole doom heavy slow kind of vibe. So it's uh, it's cool that we're getting a chance to talk. Definitely. Yeah, the stuff you did with Godin, that was that was great. I really enjoyed that. But I just want to bring to your attention that we're getting up on uh, the year anniversary of the show that actually didn't happen as a result of the uh, pandemic that we You're were right. supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, it's coming up next month. <laughs> it's, a, it's already Holy been almost shit. a year. Damn, that was fast. Yeah. That sucks. Have, have you ever played a show at that place out in Staten Island? Yeah, I played there with uh, another band that I was playing with called Grim Legion. Yeah. Like straight up old school death metal. And uh, it was okay. It was good. You know, they don't really have a sound system. But, I mean, you played there. You played there with, uh, I saw you guys play with... Um, that jazz death metal band. I forgot. Candiria, yeah. Candiria, right, yeah. correct. Yeah, they were doing this uh, Five Boroughs kind of thing. Um, and, and it seems like over the last few years, that spot uh, became like a, a place. You know what I mean? Like people, I think like Agnostic Front played there. and uh, Yeah. You know, sure. I think I want to say Sick of It All played there too, maybe. Sheer Terror, Sick of It All, Agnostic Front. Which is pretty insane to think um, about. Law too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially with the size of that spot. I mean, it's like this tiny little room, you know? Right. Yeah. So what I was thinking about was when I was talking to Steph and Tony from Godin, they they brought up Evoken as being an influence on them. And I thought that was very uh, interesting because Winter, their old band... <laughs> <laughs> it was like it's, just, it's ridiculous yeah. <laughs> I just want to know if that band has any kind of significance to you oh are you kidding me oh forget it of course I mean it's it's just so obvious if you know if you know Winter well enough and you hear us it's like oh boy these guys learned a lot from this band so goes without saying major major influence to the point where, like we, like we play a riff, we go okay, play to play to go back to the winter riff. <laughs> you know, it's like the one that this one that sounds like winter. You know, I mean, we covered a couple of songs live back in the day. We did Garden actually, and we did Servants of the Warsmen. And uh, yeah, we we did this. Totally worshipped those guys, and then we played with them in Roadburn. It was it was nuts. It was nuts. Yeah, the Roadburn Festival is. Uh, how, how did you find that? That's like one of my favorite places to to do. You know, that's one of my favorite events actually out of all of the European festivals. Well, this 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 is kind of mind blowing. But like, um, Tom Thomas Gabriel Fisher, you know, better known as Tom Warrior, uh-huh. 
he curated a show, a festival one time. And he requested us to play. Oh man! And that's when the Icelandic volcano erupted and everything went down. You know, all the planes got canceled. So we can we didn't make it that year, but that's the reason why we got invited to Roburn in the first place from Tom G. Warrior, which is crazy. I mean, Celtic Frost. I mean, I was 16 years old and I saw those guys with Voivod Lamores. So um, I've been listening to him forever. And Hellhammer, you know, how, you know how that goes. And uh, so that's how we got invited to that show. And then we couldn't make couldn't play that that festival, so we got invited the year later. That that was with winter. So that was crazy. Did you uh, do a, a small tour around that, or you just flew in and flew out? No, we just flew in for that sh- that one show, like a weekend gig. Well, if you're gonna fly in for anything, man, that that is really like one of the best things you can do is play play Roadburn, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean they put they put you up in a hotel. We were like sitting next to. We were at, having breakfast in the morning, some coffee, and look to the left. There's a guy from Voiva. Look to the right. There's a singer from Pentagram. <laughs> it's just it was it's just insane. As a because we still feel like fans. You know, we're still fans 100. percent So when we come across these people that we like, you know, seen on Headbangers Ball and. Uh, uh, I forget there was another station before MTV started playing metal videos. I remember seeing the Razor video, for Evil Invaders. Oh, the Canadian uh, band channel. Razor, you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. remember seeing that video and like a bunch of that, bunch of like thrash metal videos back in the day. Celtic Frost was on there and Voivod, and then seeing them live, you know, just like hanging out in the same lobby as you, you feel real special. <laughs> Yeah, I guess uh, Tom but, uh, is uh, is kind of a fixture there uh, because one of the times uh, Tombs played um, Roadburn twice. Actually, we were fortunate fortunate to get over there twice for that festival. And when we were loading in in that, um, you know, they have like that big, you know, garage hangar thing where you put your gear in. Uh, I was talking yes. to, I can't even remember who I was talking to. That's how much the meeting of Tom G. Warrior eclipsed everything. <laughs> Like I was talking, yeah. Someone, like, I'm blanking on who I was actually talking to, but it was an, you know, another friend, like guy in a band. We were like hanging out. I was like in mid conversation, out of the corner of my eye, I saw Tom G. Warrior walk up, and I just walked away from whoever I was talking to. I introduced myself, and I was like, totally, just like, yeah, man, like you know, like I've been a fan ever since I was a kid, and you know, you mean so much, and all this stuff. And I took a picture with him, and all that, and. You know, I mean, I'm sure he thought I was like, uh, you know, like a sound guy. It's 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 kind of hard to like, like get that across to people, like Tom G. Warrior, like how much his band, his music, the imagery, everything, like what it did for us. It was like it molded us as like who we are today. I, I really feel that way. I mean, as far as guitar playing, you know, technically, like maybe not, but. Like the atmosphere, the feeling, the, the pure, like, like he, there was a lot of hate in Celtic Frost to me, you know, like felt like it was like, ugh. And that just really like set the tone for like what I wanted to do later on. And evoking like totally feels that way to me, you know. 
Yeah, and and that's the other thing too is how much how many different styles of music you can hear that influence in. You know, like I I mean I can hear it in you guys, I can hear it in winter, but you know, I can also hear it in in various like hardcore bands, you know, and, and Yeah. And oh my god, yeah. You know, and of course black metal, you know, it's just such a long reaching like arm of of like uh, inspiration, you know. Then when it came out when it's a pandemonium with all like the I hear you doing some of those vocals too, like those really like mournful, clean vocals. Like it, it sounds like you're like in such pain. You know what I'm talking about, Mike? Yeah, totally, dude. It's I mean, <laughs> every even I do the same thing. We we moan like, it's yeah. like oh, you know, this it's beautiful. Yeah, and that all came from like listening, hearing that, like, oh my god, what is this? Is crazy. You you joined but, uh, yeah. uh, evoking in like what like ninety four like somewhere in the mid nineties at that point ninety four yeah. yeah I answered an ad in um, the East Coast Rocker <laughs> no the Aquarian the Aquarian I think was it East Coast Rocker first or was it Aquarian I think it was uh, well I know the East Aquarian's been around forever and uh, yeah so that's what it was yeah yeah yeah. So were you familiar with the band prior to that or you're just like they they listed a bunch of no no. Exactly. They just they were like looking for guitarists, vocalists in you know, in the vein of disembowelment, the growth on winter, Portishead. Wow. <laughs> Kilt the frost and I was like, Whoa I was like even mentioned Portishead, like, oh my god, you know. And uh, are you familiar with Portishead? You like them? Yeah, yeah. They're they were like, yeah. you know, once again back in ninety four, uh it, that was like uh, they were they were like a new kind of like kind of moody. What, what would you describe it? I, I want to say like trip hop. I don't even know if that's the right term for it, though. But honestly, you know, but that's that's. I mean, the layman's term. I would say I wouldn't use trip hop, kind of. But it's just like 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 an old jazzy singer like with this electronic band behind her and she's just like wailing like misery, you know? Yeah. And, and then like this real creative guitar player, like doing these crazy things, you know, behind it. And it's a drum machine, <laughs> but it's not, they usually they have a live drummer, but it sounds like a drum machine most of the time. But, uh, yeah. Like all those cleans and those weird, like, you know, delays and everything. I love it. That's what, Influenced us a lot. Now, uh, before you joined, was was the band actually known as Evoking at that time? Because I know there was like a, some name changes in the beginning and that kind of stuff. It was Funarius and then Asmodeus for like a brief moment and then Evoking. After the, uh, the growth on demo came out, they took the name off that demo. And that's how they got their name. Now, as an outsider uh, to the band, uh, is it is it a uh, safe assumption to say that Vince, the drummer, is uh, is kind of uh, you know the the behind the scenes man with the band? Yeah, yeah, I would say that. I would say that he um, he organizes touring and. He's the lyricist, like ninety-five percent of the time. I think I penned like three three songs total out of all the, all the songs we wrote. But uh, 
I handle like the financial end of everything, like merchandise and uh, logistic wise, you know, getting everyone to the show and, and whatnot, getting the gear around. But uh, yeah, is that what you meant? Like, as far yeah, as that goes? Like, like, he's like, you know, one of the founding members and, you know. Oh, yeah, he was, him and Nick, they started it right up, right up. Back in 90, uh, 92, I believe. You have a cat, right, Mike? I do. Yeah, my cat, Miri, she's uh, just going nuts in the apartment, knocking things around. It's, <laughs> funny, how around they, it's funny how cats know when when you want them to be, uh, to be cool, and they, they do. Yeah. They, they, then they're not cool. You know, they that's when they decide yeah. that they got to do... Uh, Oh yeah, I want to go and walk Please. in front of your computer monitor, even though I I haven't I've ignored <laughs> you, I've like been ignoring you all day long, but now that I know that you want you want some like uh, tranquility, I'm going to come and walk in front of you. That's that's the cat's way. You know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so when it comes to songwriting, like the riffing and all that kind of stuff, is it? collaborative or does like one guy come to the band with a bunch of ideas and you know how's that work essentially it's like um we all have like for the most part like i would say like um it would just be a riff or some one or two riffs that i would come up with well chris the guitar player or nick nick wrote a lot of the, the heavy guitar parts but at one time we had Dario Derner in the band. He was he played keyboards on uh, Embrace Emptiness and Quietus, and he would come to rehearsal with like like five minute pieces of music written out, guitar wise, clean guitars, the keyboard arrangements. And it was a few times he came, and we really didn't do too much to his, his arrangements. Because they were that they were that good, and it, you know, like uh, we just used it, and then like I would just add my my high parts, you would say, you know, like the melodic lines that run over it, and then Nick would add cleans, and uh, that's about it. I mean, it, it was definitely a bunch of us together, you know, it wasn't just one guy doing everything, but um. For the most part, it's like that. But lately, for the last two records, it was a lot of my riffs, and then everyone is jamming on them, and then coming up with things as we go along. You know, there's been a lot of guys in and out of the band, yet the sound of the band has stayed pretty consistent over, uh, I mean, damn, it's like what, it's almost 30 years that the band's been in existence. You know, it, ha it hasn't well, been like this, uh, you know, do you think with the number of guys contributing to the band that it would be like, you know, a mixtape of, uh, of ideas, but. Well, it hasn't been too many guys. It's, it's, it was Nick, it was Vinny and Nick and they had a singer, this guy, Rob. And then when I joined, it was three of us up until like 2000 pretty much around 2001 or 2004. I think Nick went to, went, moved down to South Carolina. Then Chris was always around, the guitar player that plays with us now. He played in a, in a band called Remembrance. I think it was Remembrance. And um, 
he filled in for us back in 94 when we played the Wetlands. We opened up for Enslaved back in the day. And so he was always around, and like, like he had the same style as us. And then when he joined, it was like, he was a little more melodic than Nick as far as his lines go, his guitar playing, because he like really worships King Diamond, like Andy LaRock. Nice. So like he would have like those kind of like really sweet leads and uh, that sensibility of like that neoclassical stuff, you know? Yeah. And Nick was the opposite. He was more like dissonant and, and disturbing sounding. That's what, you know, like, um, like on Caress of the Void, that was a lot of Nick, a lot of his lines, which some people liked, you know, it was like, a, that was the only difference I would say is like when Chris joined, he got a little more melodic. And when Nick was in the band, it was maybe a little darker, more sinister. So I don't know if you noticed that, but uh, I don't know, man. It still sounds pretty sinister, even even uh, yeah. Hypnagogia. That that well, that that record definitely has more of a you know like a melodic sensibility to it, I guess. You know, for right, like right. a better term, but it's still like very very sinister sounding. Good, good. <laughs> I was worried. I wasn't worried, but it did feel like it was like a little. Because it, it, we did approach it differently. Because it was like a concept album, and Vinny had the whole, the whole idea, and like I was like approaching it like I was an actor, and it just felt like when we wrote the music, I wanted it to be like the beginning of the story and go through his whole journey and then end. So it kind of had like moments where like it was tranquil and then just get real dark and evil. And, uh, you know, just, I, I didn't want to, you know, you don't want to keep re rewriting the same kind of riffs also, you know? So I guess that's what happens. You try to come up with something new. Yeah. That, that record definitely has a sense of this kind of like cinematic, like quality to it so so i didn't i wasn't aware that that record had was like a concept album so like was there like a, a, yeah. a there was a storyline to the to the whole record then yeah it was about a, a world war one soldier who's about to die in battle and he's like up against a tree and he like this deity comes to him and like offers him like like a comfortable death, but he has to put his pain and suffering into this book. And then whoever reads the book in the future feels like relives his horror. So it's just like passed on from reader to reader. Like they don't know what's happening, but as they're reading it, they get over, you know, they get like overtaken by this evil spirit, something like that. <laughs> but, um, so like I was, I was approaching it. Like we wrote it like, you know, let's have him like, you know, going through the motions and like seeing people, his friends dying right beside him in the trenches and shit. I don't want to get too much into it. Cause like, you know, like I explained to you earlier in that conversation about lyrics, but, yeah. um, that's how I felt about it. And I think it, it came across that way. That's why like my, a lot of like the songs, like, like I didn't sing him as, as, uh, I didn't do as much growling as I usually do. Because of that, like I wanted to like the listeners to understand some of the lyrics 
Yeah, and that, I know, like, you know, that's kind of silly in death metal, like, you're worrying about the people understanding you, because that's not, that's not the point. But this, it felt like I wanted it to be more, like, you know, a little more understandable. That's why I didn't go with as deep or guttural as I usually do. And that's just how it, it just came out naturally like that also, you know? You know, I can I relate that, to like, that, man, because I, I, I've... um. In the last like few re years, I think that's something I've been focusing on too. Is trying to actually have people understand the the words. You know, it's imp I think it's important, honestly. I mean, we can do we can do the you know the low growl and like that's that's great. You know, it, it works. But sometimes I don't know if it's like a, I don't want to sound like you're mellowing out or anything. You know, but like you said, it's like you know. Even like I remember listening to Boss from Garden. She said the same thing. Like you know, it has to sound good when you sing different, you know, certain lyrics when you pronunciate it, and you, even even when you're growling, you know, it has to sound good. So I remember one time you and I were talking, and we we talked about uh, you know Pete Steele and typo negative, and is you know after we spoke about that i can see how that may have been something that has been incorporated in evoking sound absolutely without without the quirkiness of course you know we, we can't pull that off no but that's a one-of-a-kind thing definitely <laughs> but like uh definitely suspended in dusk for instance oh, totally like that song like probably like the greatest one I've ever heard from the type. You know, that's like one of my favorite ones. As far as like the serious down to fucking down down in hell, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, of course. I mean Carnivore. And I mean as soon as he breaks into like when he starts singing on that first you know, the first record with uh Male Supremacy, I was like, Oh shit, you know <laughs> like all right, he's just growling his ass off like sounds like an insane monster, and he just like belts out this beautiful voice, you know. And so like that, those elements like just when you mix it with the, the heavy funeral doom. I can't sing like that, obviously, but those you know those moments are, uh, are great. You know, and, I um, think that New York a lot of times gets overlooked in in the um, that the realm of like you know quote unquote funeral doom and and. Uh, but in a lot of ways, I kind of feel like the the, the tri-state area, like the East Coast, like New York, kind of were pretty instrumental in creating like the American version of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean California had Morgan early on, but uh, and there was of course Dusk. You remember Dusk, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. They came back around, so they were playing. Uh, I think we played with them at. Maryland Death Fest a couple of years ago. And then, like, I remember there's, like, Dusk, Ceremonium, and Evoking, like, only, and Morgion, and November's Doom. It's, yeah, I could go on and on with bands I'm familiar with. But we, there was a couple of us. But, like you said, New York City, with Typo Negative, and Sheer Terror, not really, yeah, not really Doomy, but they definitely sound like Celtic Frost. Back in the day, 
I'm going off topic now, but yeah. Well, speaking about live, I feel like, uh, like, am I? Well, this is just my perspective on it. You know, it's like whenever I always felt like there was a lot of mystery about around the band, like when you guys played and everything. It was like, oh man, Vulcan's playing, so it's like. You know, there was like this kind of like mystique with the band. All oh, these guys, they don't ever play live. It's like, so you better go check them out. And that's why, like, I always made a lot of effort to go, to go see the band um, when you guys played, at least at least in the New York area. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, did this pandemic upset, besides the show that we were going to play in Staten Island, <laughs> did this show uh, upset any plans that you guys might have had? Uh, of course, we, we had a... So it's been like three weeks in Europe in July last year. Totally destroyed it. Yeah. It was all set up. It was, um, we were playing, uh, Brutal Assault the first time. That's a big one. And then, uh, like we were supposed to play Russia for the first time, St. Petersburg and you and uh, somewhere else in Russia. But, um, yeah, so that was pretty, that sucked. I imagine Europe, I imagine Europe is is uh was probably very receptive to to evoking. Yeah, they are. Very much so. I mean, it's it was slow in the states, but it got better after we uh album from Decibel magazine invited us to open up like uh the first Decibel tour they had with um Behemoth and who else played um, Devil's Blood, something like that. Oh, yeah, and Watain. Watain was on that, too, yeah. Yeah, Watain, of course. And I was trying to remember that. Yeah. But he, we played three three shows on that tour in Baltimore, New York, and Philly. And after that, it really, like, the crowds got a little better. It wasn't like, you know, we can, we weren't selling out. We, we never sold out St. Vitus, but, you know, like, at least the room will be half full at that point instead of like there's three, four people. <laughs> yeah. I know that. It did get better. <laughs> but it still feels like even if, if we, I know it sounds corny, but even if there's three people, you still play like you're playing to a thousand people. Well, that's, that's, that's really what separates, um, you know, like the, the real deal, like, you know, OG types from like upstarts, you know what I mean? I feel yeah. Like, yeah. You know, just that mentality of, you know, just playing regardless of how many people are there, you know. Because you almost feel like your band is like, like you're going to, not going to a real war, but you're going to like, you're going to battle and your band is this force. And you're going to like, you're just going to crush people in your audience with it, you know. That's what, you got your amps, you got your stacks, you turn everything up, you get as heavy as you can be. And you just rip their fucking heads off. <laughs> But yeah, that's, that's that's the mentality I'm talking about, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah. So, Very powerful. Uh, yeah. Hey, do you guys um, do you guys use seven strings or not or six strings? No, we we never went we never went that route. We just we were like you know didn't want to because the new metal thing yeah. destroyed any like. Any, any, like, it just didn't feel right going to a guitar store and, and asking for one. <laughs> it didn't feel right in my bones, you know? Like, it was just like, ah, can't do it. Plus, it was like that really wide fretboard. 
that's kind of annoying, you know. But um, yeah, we just we just like got our uh, guitars adjusted. We had this really really great guy, Rocco Monterosa from Staten Island, and uh, he does all the setups. He actually like was Ace Freely's guitar tech for like a couple of years now. Oh, nice. Yeah, so um, he'll do sound checks of Ace on stage. He's playing like you know it's crazy. But um, yeah, he sets our guitars up, and we use uh, we tune down to A, and I use a seventy gauge on the bottom. The bottom like would be normal, you know, your E, and then the rest is just like a set, like a jazz set, like a thirteen gauge, no fourteen gauge, and my fourteen is the high, the highest string. Damn. And uh, it's so close. Like the first time I recorded with you, Boken, I didn't know anything about setting my guitars up. So I'm, also, I'm over here tuning down a B with regular, like, tw- you know, I think I was using Ernie Ball 12s, 12 gauge. And uh, I hit the open chord and just, like, going in and out of tune. You know, my God, yeah, I didn't know any better. <laughs> yeah. And I ended up using Nick's guitar because he had it set up and then, yeah, that was it. And then the rest you just learn as you go along. How do you enjoy the recording process? Because that could be painful or it could be fun, depending on you know the person and the engineer and all that kind of stuff. I I absolutely love it. Of course, I love that trip going home with whatever you worked on that day, and they give you like that seat that that CDR. To listen to the tracks, I, I live for that. It was like when you're practicing, you're rehearsing in the studio and you're you know, getting your songs together. Sounds great, but then like as soon as you hear it, like for the first time, like the drums there, and like you hear all the drums, and, and you're like, oh my god, I didn't even know my keyboard player was playing that line because like, I can never hear it. <laughs> and recording you know, when, when you're jamming live. And then, like, yeah, so I would say I love it. I mean, I don't, the part that's hard is when you got to clean the tracks. You know what I'm talking about, Mike? What's that? He has to go, he has to go back and, like, clean any, any, like, noise in between tracks. Oh, yeah, all the editing and stuff that like can, that. Yeah, like, that can take, like, almost, like, two full days. Because, you know, Vinny would, Vinny would, like, do a rim shot or, like, someone who would, in between, like, uh, a part that's supposed to be quiet, someone, like, rubbing a hand on a string or something like that. So, when the engineer has to clean all that up, it's like, oh, God. It's yeah, like that's, taking that that that's definitely tedious work. Yeah. Do you ever get involved? Uh, have, you, have you ever tried, uh, you know, engineering stuff yourself at all? No, as far as, like, the most I've, I've done was if the guy needed a break, John just holds us down, and when the part comes up, release it and press it back down after you want to delay off. You know, I always do like my delays. That's about it. I never really got into it. I want to, though. I really do. Because, like, Stefan was talking about to me, and he probably told you like oh, in yeah. the interview, how he just, like, demoed everything himself and then sent all the tracks to Voss, and she did the vocals. It's, it's great. I would love to learn that. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. What about you? you, do, you do oh, it yeah, too? yeah, I do a lot, man. I, I got, um, 
a lot of stuff at home that uh you know like all the, the there's nowadays man they got all these amp modelers it's like you can just sit in your house and it sounds just like your amp basically going into right, uh, right. you know pro tool session and you know there's just for demos really there's like uh yeah, yeah. Drum programs you can use that sound just loops. Like if you want like a double kick pattern or a blast beat or whatever, you just drag and drop it, and there it is. And you can write. Right, right. And that that's 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 how we've been working for a while. And actually, um, I mean, you know, Matt Maderos, our other guitar yes, player, like yes. he's he's uh, really proficient with that kind of stuff too. And our drummer Justin, you know, those are the guys who actually really gave me the education on how to work in that way, you know. Right. You feel like you'd be as creative when you write like that? Um, well, I guess nothing beats being in a room together, right? Well, that that's like always live. the uh, the key. I mean, it's good just to get the riffs down and, like, right, uh, right, know, right. an idea for, uh, you know, just an idea, you know what I mean? Like, okay, I got these, like, four parts you know, I want the drums to be fast, and then we do like a slow part here, and then when you get into the space, it changes into something else. You know, which is right, right. That's that's the best way. You know, I, I don't. Yes. Like for me personally, I don't. I'm not like okay. This is we have to play this four times, and then go. You know, I don't care about stuff like that really. Exactly. That that where that's where it becomes organic when you're feeling different things, and like I, I like I I would credit myself a lot for the arrangements of the evoking songs, like as far as like what riff goes where, like how long it should go. Like in Hypnagogia, we had uh, like an intro and I remember Vinny and the engineer had it going like before the drums kicked in, had it going like an extra 15 seconds longer than I wanted it to go. So I remember listening to it and like, I want the, like, of course, like, it's funeral doom, so you can't, you know, expect everything to be rushed, but it just felt like it was over, is this too long? So I cut it down to 15 seconds, and I demanded it. I was like, no, I want it like this, and it just worked out better, you know? So, like, little subtle things like that, I, I think I, I kind of had the handle on in the band. And also putting songs in in order on a record that's that's really important to me too how the record flows so you don't want like too many songs that sound exactly the same in the beginning like especially if they end a certain way then they begin the same exact way as it ended like for instance like with a clean section and coming into the next song with a clean section like uh, I feel bad for the listener I don't want to put them through that <laughs> you know like 15 minutes of like Something like that, you know, listening to something that they just heard. Yeah, definitely, man. I think that's like kind of, uh, you know, part of the effort of making a record is making sure the running, you know, the track list is like, it flows and it makes sense. And, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, th there's like, uh, you know, like energy between song to song, you know? Yes. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking time out to talk about this man and uh you know hypnagogia came out about what 20, 2018 that record came out yes and uh i know you guys take your time but do you have any uh <laughs> do you have any uh plans or new songs or riffs or anything coming up on the horizon i i definitely have riffs i have 
I do. I have like a, a Line Six amp. Has um, what the hell is it called here? It's the uh, Line Six Spider Jam. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yep. Yeah, it's just like you can like loop like half hour worth of, of shit. Like I come up with riffs. I I try writing stuff over it. Play keyboards on the drums. I mean drums on the keyboard rather. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I have I have some riffs, and we actually had like part of a song before the pandemic really hit hard. Uh, we had like maybe like fifteen minutes worth of stuff, like a song and a half. Not a full song, but like you know, riffs lingering lingering around. We definitely have things. It's definitely not dead. That's for sure. No, that that's. I remember I was talking to Mike Williams like back in uh, like the spring, and that and he was that's what he was saying. He was saying some bands are just like he's like that they're they're calling it the quits. They're calling it a day as a result of all this stuff, man. And I'm I'm glad to see that you guys aren't one of those bands. Well, if you if you depended on it for like any kind of like living, it's kind of devastating yeah but like when you're uh, what do you do for work I'm not sure I'm an engineer are you all, are you an engineer yeah like a musical engineer or? no 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 a mechanical engineer oh yeah wow yeah. pretty impressive oh thanks I sell eggs hey you gotta <laughs> buy butter. I like I like eggs and I like dairy oh a lot of people like eggs bro <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh, that's, that's awesome but like we can continue because, like, we don't, I mean, I don't know if you ever made money with, with tunes, like serious money. No, not serious I never money. Did. No, yeah, we never did. Just covering expenses, pretty much. That's all we ever really did. So, like, it was easy to, to continue. That's why, like, it, we can take that time in between records because we don't have anything. There's no, like, oh, my God, we have to get another record out of us. I just bought a house. <laughs> yeah. But, um... Yeah, that's the beauty of it. Because we can stay creative, stay artistic, and uh, keep it ugly and grim without worrying about commercial success. You know, <laughs> exactly. But like I have to say, your, your the last record you guys put out, I, I could see it. I could see it doing well. Though. I could see it. Like, I mean, if, unfortunately, there's no place to play live, but I could see. I can see like you guys playing against anybody. Well, thanks, you know? man. Like open, that. like for like all sorts of bands. I mean, that's where we we kind of felt like that too. Like we can play with death metal. We can play with black metal bands. We could play with like traditional doom bands. Well, maybe not too much. Yeah, traditional doom. Like we opened up for Sleep, so that wasn't too far fetched. You know, I mean, it wasn't like too. Oh my God! These guys are what is this? And then sleep comes on. It was heavy as they, they blew us off the stage as far as heaviness. You know, I gotta um, say, man, that's not my favorite style of doom. Is that kind of a, okay? You know, like that, that bluesy, slow nah, bluesy nah, stuff. Nah, I don't like it. I mean, I like <laughs> like uh, I'm very particular about. I mean, this kind of stuff. Like, I like the epic. You know, like like Thurgeron and you know. Uh, you know, evoking. Uh, I just started getting into some newer Doom bands like uh, Atramentis and, you know, all these types of bands. 
and, right, right. Uh, the and I like when there's like a black blackened kind of vibe to it, and uh, and I also like when they call bands like the Obsessed. Sometimes sometimes they call them doom bands, but that to me that's just like hard rock, you know. I it, like that. It really, I mean, it's like um, Trouble and yeah. all those guys. But they're amazing bands. They're great. But yeah, you know. Yeah. I, but when it's like too like when it's the doom is like bluesy. I'm not. I check out on that stuff. I don't really. Care. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I make sure I don't do any blues. Uh, I mean, everything you guys have done have like hit those boxes, man. Because it's like, you know, I, I was like, I, I think I mentioned it earlier on one of the other episodes. We did an episode on funeral doom, and I was like, I don't really know much about funeral doom because I never. There was like select bands I was into, and the things that I really appreciated about Evoking earlier on was like there was like this kind of like blackened like vibe to a lot of the material you yes. had early on, and. Um, you know, and then like some of the same elements there, this like somber, epic like vibe, and uh, and then also I was like really into Neurosis and all those types of bands, and there's like a crossover with that style too. You know. Yes. You know, and then like the real evil sounding shit, like uh, like Burning Witch, like I dig that kind of stuff, which has almost like a punk like kind of vibe to it. I remember like someone described that as like. Like being like uh, chained in the basement, <laughs> and like you know, like I remember that like the review was like, "Oh shit!" That's Stephen O'Malley, right? Yeah. Which? Yep. Yeah. That was that was an amazing time going to his house in Brooklyn, his apartment, and when he did the uh, graphics for Quietus, that was that was that was crazy. Because like we walked into his place, and he had his bed. Like in, it was like a strange setup. Like in the wall, it looked like totally like Nosferatu or something. Like it was, it was, <laughs> he was like totally living that. Like I, I came, like I'm, not, I'm a little not embarrassed to say, but like it was in summertime, so I had sandals on. Yeah, dude, I wear I wear <laughs> flip flops like, all summer long, man. But you know, this guy's like totally like you know combat boots and living in this apartment that looks like it's fucking horror, like a horror show. <laughs> Like scary, you know, I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is a real. This kid's a real deal." And he played me some Sono. He played us Sono. I was like, "I got a new project coming out," and I, we all thought like it was just somebody like tuning the guitar really badly at first. Like this, like it's like this drone. We didn't know what it was, but uh, yeah, that was that was that was amazing. That was an amazing time. Like those years were that was like the pinnacle for me. But then, like, you know, when Chris joined and Don joined on keyboards, it, it was like a new chapter, but it was hard to top, like, you know, the quietest days. And when we wrote Embrace the Emptiness, we had, like, a rehearsal spot. And, you know, those candles, the room was dark. You know, we did the whole thing. It was, like, vibed off that shit. And uh, we were obsessed with, like, Dark Throne and Emperor... It's a terracotta when all that stuff came out in the early 90s. And that's where a lot of, like, you can hear, like, the blacking stuff on the early Evoking records. And even, like, we even brought back a riff on Hypnagogia that was, like, right back in, like, 96, the fair section in uh, the Lore Assassination. Like, it gets, like, real fast. Yeah. That was, like, a riff from, like, 96. I was like, 
we think it was something to come up with for that, you know, after that clean part. And I was like, dang, remember this riff? He was like, oh, fuck, yeah, let's, let's try it. Nice. Yeah, everyone loved it. Of course, Dave, Dave's a maniac. I basically, you know Dave, right? Yeah. Dave Wagner. Yeah, so he's all about fucking brutality, you know? But he also appreciates, he, he wrote that bass line on the last, the well, the wheel of uh, Parish Men. That was that whole beginning with the bass. That's all Dave. Oh wow! He came to he came to that riff. He came with that riff to the studio. Me and Vinny is like, I know it's a simple thing, but when you hear something and you get like you hit the, the hair in your arm stand up, so you know you got something special. For us, anyway, because you know I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure you feel the same way. You have music to you, like all that matters is if you love it. Yeah, else, I mean, if I uh, yeah. have any doubts about it at all, it's uh, I, I like don't I just throw it out. You know what I mean? It's like I I've been working on this other project called Scorpion Throne, and uh, oh, cool. I put I've I've demo I've made fourteen demos right now, <laughs> and then fifteen the fifteenth demo, it, I finally I'm like all right cool this is like what it's gonna sound like. You know what I mean? Because like, wow. And I've played the fourteen demos for you know like a couple of people, and they're like, oh yeah, this is sick, man. Like, oh this is great. I'm like, yeah, but it, I don't know. You know what I mean? It, it was the kind of thing <laughs> where like, I didn't. It could have been like a tombs track or something, or it. it, it was okay, like, okay, yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? I was like, if I'm gonna do a different yeah. band, I want it to sound like its own thing. You know, and then, and then, and then after that there's like the quality control of like whether or not I like it as a song, you know? So right now I've been hacking away at this idea for like a year. And uh, I finally, after, you know, 14 recordings of complete songs, I'm like, okay, I finally figured out what it's going to sound like. So yeah, I'm on the same page with you, man, for sure about that stuff. You know, Like you want it to be different than your main child. You know, you want it to be a little different child. Yeah, like I want yeah. it to be a lot different, you know. Like I don't want it to just be like, oh, well, you know, this is like, uh, like a. But I tell you though, I hear tunes. Like that record sounds like it has a couple of different things going on. Like, of course, Curse of the was it Curse of the Black Sun? Secret to the Black, Black Sun. Yeah. Secret to the Black Sun. That totally like I'm like okay, when's this guy gonna pay me for evoking? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm kidding, my nah, holy kid. I know, bro. But like I hear like you know, I was like, wow, it sounds like really like influence you know like it sounds like it could be an evoking song but then like you got the other one about uh where you made the video with the vampires oh yeah the hunger yeah yeah that sounds punkish and like yeah. kind of like a little hardcore so like yeah, your record's like dancing, you know. your record like touches different genres also but it's all it all sounds like tune tunes right which but is great thank well thanks man but I, but i also just want this new thing to be like Oh, a total like not like oh these are like B sides or leftovers that didn't make it out of the Tombs record. You know what I mean? Like I wanted it to be like this is like an intentional thing that's going on that's like different and and you know like out of my comfort zone and that kind of thing. You know, I don't want to just make okay. another band that's like okay, well this is like blast beats and you know black metal riffs. And what what uh, what makes it out of your comfort zone? What, what do you mean by that? Well, like, one, of, one of the things that I, I'm doing is, uh, like, I, I always like the, I always overdo it sometimes with parts and 
and the actual uh, complexity of the riffs, like where I'll, like I'll maybe like overplay certain things or I'll add things that I don't aren't necessary. So now the idea with this is to just to, to kind of strip away, like to make it very simple. You know what I mean? Okay. And like, right. uh, you know, just a very simple, like less parts, you know, maybe add more layers over the same riff and change what's like kind of how like you know like like hip-hop records or i'm not saying this doesn't sound like a hip-hop record but it's like you know they, they start with like a beat and then they just kind of unmute shit and then stuff comes in and out and it's right like, right yeah that's kind of okay. like what this shit's like it's like i i have like uh it's a lot of clean guitar it's very it's very very slow and um and it's basically all around like one guitar riff and then uh, the second song I have is like, I wrote it uh, against a synth part. And it's going to just be nice. like things coming in and out and like very, very little changes, you know? And like, right, uh, right. you know, there's a, like ACDC is another one of my favorite bands. And they'll like, there's that one, uh, there's, a, there's a song by them. It's like, uh, it has like this, this blues riff like forever. Like this, and then they go down to to E. It's like, and that one change was like made the whole fucking song, even though everything was like one riff. And then they just hit one chord, and it it's like, oh shit! Like it really accents the song. Right, right. I guess I understand exactly what you mean. Yeah, you know, and it's like. And then I watched this documentary about the Swans, and the the drummer was talking about like, oh like how everything was like, if you can play like one hit, play one hit. Don't play four. You know what I mean? Like on right, the drums. Right. So the drums are just like real, just like make that one beat work, and don't play two other right. beats. You know? And I'm like, that's like I have like some programmed drums I threw in there, but I'm I'm not gonna I'm gonna work with our drummer on it you know, and, and have him do his thing, but also rein him in. Cause he's even worse than I am about like fucking overplaying and shit like that. You know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I mean, that's kind of like that. And it's going to be like, you know, the vocals are going to be like, like different. They're going to be like, you know, more, more like, it's going to be like all clean except for like a couple of spots, you know, but mostly just like clean, clean vocals. You know, and just like dark, depressing, slow, evil, like shit. You know. Well, that's that's always going to be the core. I think anything we do. Yeah, man. It's always going to feel that way. <laughs> yeah. You know, dude. I hope to see you soon, man. I hope that uh, we get past all this, and I hope that uh, you know, I'm looking forward to like checking out Evoking Live, and um, yeah, don't take too much time putting out another record either. You know. Yeah, we're going. We're, Vinny and I are going to rehearse this Saturday, so the rest of the guys can't come. We're going to fucking do what we do. Right on, man. It's still, it's still going, man. It's, there's no doubt, no doubt. I, I still got some good shit in my, in my uh, coming out of my hands. Well, once again, man, thanks for taking time out and uh, doing this. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. Thank you for like. Taking the time and calling me up and having interest. It's amazing.
Well, that's it for this week's episode of Metal Matters, an official Gimme Metal podcast. Tune in next week and see what we have in store for you. This show is available on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, etc. Also, be sure to check out Gimme Metal, streaming on the web, iOS, or Android. For one of the best metal communities, exclusive merch, interviews, and so much more. I'll catch you guys next week. Take care.